0: Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Hi, my name is Grace, and it is such an honor to be with you. I hail from Silver Spring, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., at Living Word International Christian Church, where I'm over the middle school, high school, and young adult ministries here. It is such an honor to be journeying with you through the Book of Esther. It's one of my favorite books, and I love learning about the people, the time, and just what God did in and through all of them and how that affects our lives today. If you have your Bible, electronic device, or even Google, Turn with me to the book of Esther, starting at chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses one through three. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. When he went, on, But he only went as far as the king's gate, because no one in sackcloth and ashes was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for who you are and just the way that you move. I'm grateful for your goodness, your mercies that are new every single morning great is your faithfulness. Open our eyes and ears to what it is that you want us to learn today. May it be the type of word that spurns us into action. May it be something that increases our faith and our knowledge of you. I thank you for this time together and I just pray that you empty me of all of me and fill me up with all of you so that your word and your word alone can go out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We meet our favorite cousin Mordecai, just as he has learned about the edict that has gone out. The king through Haman has signed a decree where on a certain day and a certain time, all of the Jews in the kingdom will be killed. There is weeping and wailing in every province all over the place. And it has been created by a man who is so consumed with hatred that he has been able to convince the king to sign the type of decree that cannot be undone by the king. We know from history that the Agagites hated the Israelites. So Haman's hatred of Mordecai was not just something that he got just one day, but it's something that he almost, if you will, inherited. And from that, there is weeping, wailing sackcloth and ashes all over the kingdom it is a terrible time not only for the people of susa but for the people in the 127 provinces so if you would permit me today i would love to take this time to look at this section and reflect on something that unfortunately all of us have become keenly aware of and that is grief Therapists and psychologists have called what we have experienced collective grief. And that's what happens when a group of people suffer from the exact same traumatic or hardship experience. Something like the fires that happened in Australia last year, uh, tornadoes, or what we're going through right now, a global pandemic. We have all suffered loss. For some, that means the loss of a loved one. For others, it means the loss of a job or a home or an income. The type of loss that we have all experienced differs in in extremity, but it's all something that we are all dealing with, grieving with. And what I think is important about this, this type of loss as a mental health coach and as a youth pastor is that there are spaces that are needed to be able to process that. To be able to get the wording right, to be able to know how we deal with these types of feelings and these types of emotions. What I love about this, this section that we're reading is that we can see what it means to, to lose something. For us, we might not have be, we might not have lost a, a loved one, but we've we've lost a moment or, or a memory. That might have been graduation, prom, birthday celebrations. That might have been trips, reunions, weddings. For some, it might have been something as simple as a concert or a picnic that they were looking forward to. For many of our seniors who have been working really hard the last four years, it meant that the senior year that they thought was coming never happened the way that they thought it would happen. And for a lot of people, they are dealing with the grief and the loss and the sadness of that. True, it does not pale in comparison to the loss of a loved one. And even more so to what these Israelites were going through where they were potentially going to see their, their death or, or the, the annihilation of their people. But a loss is a loss. And what these um, psychologists and therapists are showing us is that when people lose or when they are grieving, the emotions in the brain and in the, in the body are, are carried in the same way. If you're familiar with the book of Esther, you completely understand not only what happens next, but how the story ends. And if you're not familiar with the story of Esther, I don't wanna ruin it for you. So I'm going to make sure to stick to this section, these three verses that are right here, the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to, if you will, because I wanna look at the way that these Israelites expressed their emotion, that they expressed their feelings before God. It must've been very strange if you were just a citizen of Susa. And then all of a sudden you just see these people walking around weeping and wailing, crying and fasting, wearing sackcloth and ashes because it lets you know that something has gone wrong. What their emotions on the outside said was expressing what they was feeling on the inside. It was something that they, that they let people know, that they were not willing to hide which is so different sometimes from the way that we as a people have been told that is okay for us to express our emotions. There've been people who have enabled us too much because they are too joyful, too happy, or when they get sad, it's too heavy. The things that they express are too much. What you're doing is too much. What you're saying is too much. They can't handle all of you. And yet, and yet what we see of the Bible is that there's never a time where the expression of emotions is too much. For Mordecai and the Israelites, it was a moment to grieve. It was a moment to cry out in anguish. And what we have seen in many examples, like I said, in the Bible, is that there are ways to express that, that not only honor God, but show how to do it in a healthy way. The Psalms is full of all of those types of examples. Psalm 25, 16, and 17, it says, "'Turn to me and be gracious to me, "'for I am lonely and afflicted. "'Relieve the troubles of my heart "'and free me from my anguish.'" From David to God, they would never let God not know how he was feeling. The way that David and God's relationship was that we can see in the Psalms, he always told God, this is what is going on, and this is how I'm feeling about it. At no time did he sugarcoat his feelings they were always raw and real with God. Now there is a movie called Frozen, and there is a character that tells us that maybe we should conceal and not feel, but even Elsa learned that it is important that we share our emotions that eventually she got to the point where she was no longer hiding how she felt, but expressing it completely. And it made for her in that Disney movie, her powers even greater. To hide or to act as if the pain isn't there or it's not happening doesn't take away the pain. In fact, there are moments where we are called to not disassociate. Disassociation usually happens when someone has gone through a moment of grief or sadness, something incredibly traumatic, and they do their best to separate themselves from that emotion. In the best ways, it helps people guard their heart or protect themselves from emotions that can be crippling. But on the other end of it, it can numb us in a way where we feel nothing at all. And that type of disassociation, people are are familiar with the numbing that comes from alcohol or or drug abuse or any of those types of things. But there's also numbing that comes from binge watching TV, scrolling on the internet, cooking or taking up a hobby and making it our whole entire life or, or loving a person and making them our whole entire life. It happens in a way where we so much don't want to feel this terrible thing that we replace it with something else. And we remove ourselves so far from the emotion that we cannot feel the depths of sadness. But by not being able to feel those depths of sadness, we are not ever able to be reaching the heights of joy either. It is true. It is true that when we go through struggles, when we go through hardships, they are terrible. But it is also important that we acknowledge the pain. That we sit in the fact that the thing that we are going through right now is terrible. It's not great. And I believe that we are called as Christians to take those things to God first. That we are to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. Psalm 77 shows us the perfect example of the way that we should not only express our emotions to God, but to lift ourselves up out of it and encourage ourselves as it says in somewhere else. Psalm 77 starts off by saying, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And if you jump down to 12, you'll see him shift and say, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. He encouraged himself because he knew that God had done it before and he would do it again. He acknowledged the pain. He did not run away from it, but he said that, God, I am in despair. Like we saw in 25, I am feeling lonely. I am feeling sad. I am feeling lethargic. I am tired. I am done. There's another place in Psalms where he says, my, my tears have been my food both day and night. If you know what, those pain, what that pain can feel like, if you know what that grief can feel like, then I want you to know that there is a God who can take it as well. He is the Jehovah whatever for your need. He is the God who cares, the God who sees, the God who knows. What I love about about that scene that we see earlier in Esther is that he did not get surprised by what they were going through, but he had already started to work out a plan. Work out a plan that would save the people, work out a plan that would give him glory. When we cast our cares on Him, He always is caring for us. So whether we find ourselves in loss, grief, sadness, or despair, we can cry out to God because with Him, we are never too much. Bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11am in the gymnasium, or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Until next time, much love.